I'd just like to start off with this quote. Each woman who lives in the light of eternity can fulfill her vocation no matter if it is in marriage, in a religious order, or in a worldly profession. St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. So as you know, or may have heard, it was International Women's Day not too long ago. So we wanted to have a beautiful panel of these amazing women. So we have Natasha. So she will be back to someone right now. <laughs> um, it'll be you guys. <laughs> so Natasha will be actually uh, asking these lovely ladies the questions and it'll just be uh, Q&A pretty much. So we have Sister Mary Sarah, we have another Natasha, and we have Alyssa. So uh, they're all from different walks of life. Um, if you haven't guessed, Sister is a nun. A surprise, I know, shocking. <laughs> We have Natasha, who is a mother and a wife to uh, a few beautiful children. And we have Alyssa, who is recently married and a musician. So different, different walks of life. So it'll be great to hear where they are in their vocation and journey. Over to you. <laughs> Thanks, Anna. Okay, um, so first question just off the bat, I'd love for you to each introduce yourself a little bit um, to everyone here tonight, and maybe if you could touch specifically on, um, on your faith, how, how you became a Catholic, whether you are a cradle Catholic or a convert and, or something like that. So maybe, Sister, you could... Uh, okay, thank you, Natasha. So my name is Sister Mary Sarah, as you uh, gathered before, and I'm American, if you didn't pick that up from my... Hey, here I, where are you? I know you're out there somewhere. And I'm from the Midwest. I'm from yeah. Kansas. Some people are, there are actually some Kansas connections in this very room tonight. It's a miracle. Um, so, yeah, so I'm from the heartland, right in the middle of, the, of, the, um, of America. And so in 1988, so you can do your math, um, I entered the Dominican Sisters. So our community has only been in the Melbourne area for not too long. We uh, came in 2018 at the invitation of Archbishop Dennis Hart. And so we're really just getting things established. We are way out west in the Melton area. It's here, here for Melton, and uh, thanks so much for coming. We know how far you drove tonight, so thank you for coming. Um, and so we're really just getting things set up. Um, over to my right is Sister Cecilia Rose, who is also um, in, on mission with me, and a third sister. If you want to meet a very resilient person, sister teaches year ones. And she is probably the strongest woman in this entire room, so, um, so she'll be around uh, later to answer your questions. So I came from a, a Catholic family. We were practicing, um, but in a in an Irish way, in an Irish way, a Scottish-Irish way, in a very sort of private um, expression of faith. So we went to Mass every Sunday, and my parents, by their posture, um, it was apparent that this was important to them. We got there early, and we stayed late because they were talking to all their friends. Uh, we weren't praying, um, but we were sitting in the car, and they were talking to all their friends and um, socializing. But, but they were engaged in the life of the parish. But in terms of that, that direct conversation about vocation, about the future, uh, but we didn't really have those conversations, and so I wanted to add that from the beginning, because sometimes I think people think that that's essential, and, and the Holy Spirit can work any way, uh, any way he wants to work. So um, when I finally made a decision in 1988, I was two years at uni, and I made a decision to uh, enter the community. Um, I think everyone was, was shocked. Um, I was as private as the rest of them, and so I didn't talk much about it, and sort of took a leap. 
and that was 30 years ago. And so I think it sticks. I think it's I think it's working so far, um, and um, and so it, and it's been a blessing uh, the last 30 years. I think we'll talk more more about it in a little while, but um, it's been a blessing the whole way. So, but that's it. Okay, so um, as Natasha said, or as Hannah said, my name's Natasha. Um, I've been married for 10 years in May, actually. And I've got, thank you. <laughs> and I've got three beautiful children. So Noah, who's eight, Oliver, who is six, and Celeste, who's four. Um, I Currently, I'm working part-time in real estate and I do a little bit of copywriting as well. But since having children, I've been um, a whole combination of things. So I've worked full-time, uh, which was extremely challenging, and I've worked part-time, and I've also been a full-time stay-at-home mum. In terms of my faith journey, I'm actually a convert. So I converted 12 or 13 years ago. So for the first 27 years of, well, now you know how old I am. <laughs> anyway, for the first um, 27 years of my life, I lived a very secular lifestyle. Um, and I, I met my husband, who is a practicing Catholic from a very devout Catholic family. I didn't, a lot of people assume, especially my friends and family, that I converted to get married, which wasn't the case at all. Um, from when, tell me if I'm talking too much. Um, when, from when I was very, very, very little, I think I was always looking for meaning. And um, I, I remember even when I was in primary school, my mum used to drive me to primary school and I sat there thinking, you know, maybe 10 or 11, you know, there has to be something more than this. So for my teenage years and my young adult years, I delved really deeply into trying find, to find out what that was, but in all the wrong places. So I took a tarot reading course and I took a course in astrology and, you know, did a lot of yoga and a lot of all sorts of things. Um, when I was at university, I studied religion, um, but nothing really, nothing really grabbed. And then accidentally, I, I accidentally went to a Catholic mass, a Catholic service one Sunday on my own. I didn't even realize it was a Catholic church, but I thought I'll just pop in. And uh, initially was really blown away at how everyone knew when to stand up and when to kneel. And, I and everyone was saying the same things. And I thought, where's the school that you go to to learn this? Because you all know it so well. And, um, but in all seriousness, I think it was during the consecration and I was down on my knees because I was just copying what everyone else did. And I had a moment where I was overcome with this sense of being at home. Um, I, I think I had met my husband at this point, but we were just friends. And I was overcome with a sense of being at home and overcome with a sense of relief. And tears started streaming down my face, which was very embarrassing because I was there on my own and had no idea what was going on. Um, that was the first of God was good to me. And I think he knew what I needed to get me to come to the faith. So I've had a few experiences like that where I've thought without a shadow of a doubt that you know, he is real and he loves me and this is the way my life needs to be. So um, I walked out and then <laughs> promptly forgot about that experience. And then, um, sorry, just before that, when I was younger, I also experienced quite a bit of depression and anxiety. And I was having 
I was feeling quite badly at this point in time. It was my nephew's birthday. I remember the date because it was my nephew's birthday. And I can remember thinking to myself, um, I've given everything else a go, but I'd always kept God away from me. And I didn't know why. And all of a sudden it didn't make logical sense to me anymore that I could look to the stars to find meaning and I could go to clairvoyance. Why hadn't I ever tried to pray? So I thought... I'm going to give God a crack. <laughs> and I, um, that is really actually what I thought. And I, I got down on my knees as well as I could in the back of the car, which is awkward. And I literally said, and I felt ridiculous because I didn't know if God existed. And I, I said, dear God, I hope I'm not breaking some kind of prayer protocol. I don't know how to pray to you. Um, but if you are there, can you please bring people into my life who will let me get closer to you. So, went into my nephew's birthday, promptly forgot about that prayer as well. In the following 12 months, I happened to meet my husband, we started dating. To cut a very long story short, um, I he invited me to a family day at the seminary because my brother-in-law, who I think I can see back there, yeah, um, Father Joel, so he was in the seminary at the time and I went along to a family day there um, and I saw the chapel and I, could, I thought I'm just going to go and have a bit of a pray. So I went in and got down on my knees and I said, thank you God for bringing all of these people into my life who have shown me how to come closer to you. And then I realised that it was a year to the day because it was my nephew's birthday from when I said that first original prayer to bring people into my life and there I was thanking him for exactly that. And that was one of the best but scariest moments of my life because I realised that I now had to change. It's a bit like I was saying this to Sister Mary earlier. On Facebook, I like to scroll past all of... And I don't want to offend any vegetarians or vegans in the room, so I apologise. You can try and convert me later, but I really <laughs> like bacon. So, um, yeah, on Facebook where you scroll past all of these... Um, videos about animals being treated terribly. I don't press play because I want to keep eating bacon. So it was a bit... My conversion, that moment was like that. I thought, oh, I now have to make some tough decisions and I now have to change. And that's really scary, especially coming from my background, only child, parents are academics, really anti-religion. So that, that was the beginning for me of my journey and I will stop talking now. <laughs> I think I forgot the question. Oh, of course. Just a quick introduction of yourself and about your faith. <laughs> so my name's Alyssa, I'm 27, 28. 28. Um, and I'm a full-time musician, so... Um, I met, I've been married for nearly three years. I met my husband when we were in high school um, on MySpace. I know, it's really funny. <laughs> but I used to write songs and then I did a little, some little recordings, put them online and then um, through a mutual friend I met my husband. We started a band which we now own and run full time. So we do on average about five gigs a week. It could be at a pub, it could be at a wedding, it could be at a corporate function. We also sing at funerals. Um, we've been very blessed to have been given opportunities to travel all around Australia, all around the world. Um, so that's what that's my job, and it, it's it's awesome. 
Um, in terms of coming to my faith, um, I was born into a Catholic family, went to Catholic primary school, Catholic high school, did all the sacraments. My family aren't really practicing, still to this day, they're not practicing. Um, when I was in high school, I remember doing um, religion and society as a subject in year 12, and that's when I started to really get interested in learning more about the faith. Had the opportunity to go to World Youth Day in Sydney, which then led to me going to Spain, and um, I guess it wasn't really a big lightning bolt moment, but many little um, moments along the way um, that have just brought the f my faith to the center of my life now. Thank you. Um, sister, um, when we were talking earlier, we, uh, I discovered that um, your vocation experience was, was quite an interesting one. You shocked a few roommates at the time with your, with your new quest. Could you tell everyone about that? So this is the 1980s in America, and so um, this uh, people were not looking at convents and people were not looking at seminaries in 1980. It might have been, um, you know, they talk about the Holy See. It was low tide at the Holy See, right? But we were, there wasn't a lot happening at the time. And so it was, um, and I can't even say, this sounds terrible, but it's true. I can't even say that there was a particular figure, male or female, in my life that was religious or priest that I could say, that's what I want to be, that's what I want to do. There was a gentleman in um, our parish who had a son who had special needs, and, and the son was grown and very, very strong, and he would often get out uh, of their house at night and, and break in to the neighbors' homes. And this man's um, love for his son, I know this sounds strange, but this man had a huge influence on my vocation. This man's love for his son was like the love that Christ must have for all of us. Um, he loved, he never saw the weakness of his son, uh, the humiliation that he went through um, as he had to go apologize to his neighbors. Um, he, never, he never once said anything derogatory about his son. And I remember my father would speak to him after mass and I would look at his face and it was radiant. It was radiant with love for his son. And my dad would always say, how's Jim? And he'd talk about him, and he absolutely loved him. And I thought, there is something there that I would like. Do you know, like, how do you get to that place where your love is so complete and so full and so centered on someone else that you don't even notice? You don't even notice when something embarrassing happens to your family or, or God doesn't seem to answer your prayers. They took this boy all around the world to all the shrines, all the Marian shrines, hoping that he would somehow be cured. Um, he was never cured, and his father loved him like he was the only person that ever existed. And so in a very strange way, um, that gentleman, I, I tried to tell him that one time, that he had a huge impact on my vocation, and he, he didn't understand, you know, he was like, oh, that's nice, sister. <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, trying to, trying to pour out my heart, you know. <laughs> okay, okay, so... So, um, so this leap into the convent, um, it sort of it was surprised me, it surprised my family. And 10 years on, I went back, I went to a Catholic high school, and 10 years on, I go back to the 10-year reunion, and I'm walking across the dance floor in my eight yards of white cotton, and everybody starts laughing. They're like, oh, that's so fun, you went to a costume shop. And I was like, no, this, I really, this is, I really did this. And so, uh, and it's not a rental, you know, it's like, it's, 
I wear this every day. And so that tells you a little bit about what kind of a kid I was in high school. I wasn't the most likely to enter a convent, um, but God has surprises. God has surprises. So, so this emptiness, this gnawing emptiness, began to grow inside my heart. And I was having a great time at uni, good friends. I loved what I was studying. We're having a great time. Really, there was nothing on the horizon that made me think of anything other than just keep going, you know? We're having a great time. But about my second year, that gnawing emptiness began to creep in, which I think happens to a lot of people. I think it's a common human experience of everything around me is fitting. Everything around me on this horizon seems like it's fine. I can't name any one thing, but why am I so empty? Why is it that I have this gnawing emptiness inside? And so I watched, um, so there was a great documentary made years and years ago by Malcolm Muggeridge on Mother Teresa. And I don't know if you've ever seen it, it's on a DVD. I, I don't even know if they've reformatted it, um, but it's worth a watch. And so, so I watched this and I watched the radiance of Mother Teresa, the pure, her pure love for Christ, her pure love for the man in the street, the man in the gutter. And I thought, that, I, think that's, I think that's what I'm supposed to do. Um, maybe not with the missionaries of charity. I did discern with them for a little while. I didn't last very long. Um, they're amazing. <laughs> but, but I'm American. <laughs> so I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. So the Cadillac, they're the supremo. But I couldn't do it. Um, much, and, yeah. And so, um, so, but I watched that movie, and, and I, uh, I thought, well, this is pretty amazing. So, so I'm at uni, I'm living off campus there, as we do a lot of times in the States, and so I invited my family in, my mother and dad, and I was trying to, what I wanted to do on this particular night was communicate to them that I'm thinking about doing something that nobody has any idea I'm thinking about doing. So I think I'm gonna show them this video first, the Malcolm Muggeridge documentary about the Teresa. And it's all going to make sense somehow. My parents are going to watch this, and they're going to make this quantum leap you know, over here to say, oh. So, so it, was one, it was one thing after another. So uh, we're on the bottom floor. There are five like, 20-year-old guys living above us. And that particular night, um, one of the guys' girlfriend broke up with him. And so they were... Um, they were ex they were expressing their sorrow through, as only college kids could. Uh, they're having a big bash upstairs. And, and so, like this noise, this music, you can hear people coming in and out. Meanwhile, I'm downstairs with my parents trying to show them this Malcolm Muggeridge, Mother Teresa documentary. I'm thinking that the translation's really gonna happen. And I thought, this is the stupidest idea I've ever had. So, but with, um, but like, like so many things in life, a door opens, a door closes, you know, and, and, and sometimes we're not the best at discerning the movements of our own heart. We're not the best at discerning the shape of our heart. We don't really know what our heart is shaped like until we begin to start to pay attention to, oh, you know, I've, I've noticed that, that um, I, I feel drawn to pray more than I used to, and I, I'm not really sure why. And I've noticed that the party scene isn't quite as attractive as it used to be, for some reason, and I'm not quite sure why. And all, in fact, uh, we have all these nice people around us. It's not, not that at all. So, so my roommates are starting to freak out. <laughs> They're like, what, what are you doing? So I go um, around to visit different convents in the area, because I thought, a friend of mine said, look, if you don't leap, you won't know. So you've got to start doing something with this. And I think when you're in the process of discernment, there's an inertia that can set in, it's really easy, and it's just fear 
And so if there's anybody in the room tonight who's just in that middle place of like, there's this nagging thought, I'm feeling the emptiness, I don't know what to do next, just begin, you know, just take a step, just go see somebody, go talk to somebody, they, they will not hurt you. These people, these men in black, they are not gonna hurt you, the women in white, uh, and, the men in, and the men in brown too, they're not gonna, they won't, you don't have to sign tonight, you know, like, um, but take a step if you're thinking along those lines. And so, back then, they used to produce this catalog of uh, women religious in America, and it was like, it was like 1,500 congregations, who knows, God doesn't know who they, you know, this amazing women from all over the place. Um, and so we got that catalog, and I started to flip through it, and so okay, let's try these people, let's go, let's go see these Benedictines. So I spend the weekend with the Benedictines, I come home crying, oh no, it's terrible. And so my brother, who's a, a dear friend and a great soul, he would open that catalog and he'd say, don't worry, we have 1,900, <laughs> they're in here somewhere. And, um, and so that was, a, that was a point I wanted to make of never give up, never give up. Um, if you think you're on the, on the path to something and, and it's still nagging at you, do not give up, do not let go of it until you've, you've got clarity and peace and you're really certain until, what was your phrase about being at home, being natural and at home? Until you've come to that place where you can rest and say, okay, okay, yes or no, but I'm at peace with what I've, what I'm, with, with this journey. You know, I know, I know, as I face God, I know this is where I'm supposed to be. And you never know, as we are all uh, witnesses, you never know where that's going to be. You never know where it's going to turn up, so. Thanks, sister, that's beautiful. I'd like to open up the same question to the married ladies. Um, there'd be a lot of single people here tonight, maybe dating or discerning themselves. Um, was there a moment for you that you decided to take a leap of faith? Do you have any advice for people who are in that same place? Perhaps some inertia or you know something that you got through? If you could speak to that. Okay, okay, I'll go. Um, I think in my personal experience, um, all of the incredible moments have happened after leaps of faith. So I think you first need to have, like Sister was saying, um, the clarity of, of, of what you want to do, but you might not know that 100%. You might not know if you are wanting to discern a religious vocation or if you're wanting a married vocation. You might not know that. So. I think you just sometimes have to take, I don't mean just marry whoever you see, you know, take your chum. But I think if you have faith and if you have God behind you, it's a lot easier to take those leaps of faith. And as Natasha was saying, um, oh, I forgot my train of thought. It was very, it was going to be very profound. And it's gone. Um, oh no, it's really gone. Marriage, yes, yes, discernment. Um, I will just take a moment discerning what I'm about to say and I'll hand over to Alyssa. Um, in terms of talking about leaps of faith, I guess I can talk from my personal experience as well. So I met my husband quite young. Um, I guess you could call us high school sweethearts. Um, I always knew he would be the one, we share this amazing connection with music. Um, it's so funny, we, we do gigs and people ask us if we're brother and sister. <coughs> like literally every gig. We just have merged into each other. 
But a challenge that, that came with marrying my husband was that he doesn't share the same faith as me. And that's always been a, a huge challenge. But I also knew deep down that he definitely was the one. And, and taking the, that leap of faith has been the best thing I've, I've ever done. I got it. <laughs> um, it's a slightly off topic, but um, there may be some people in the room who are, you do want to get married and people that they may be interested in may not be Catholic and they may not share the same faith. And I just wanted to say to everybody here, please don't be discouraged by that and don't write people off if they're not Catholic um, because in my husband, so my, my husband is one of six and as I said, comes from a really devout Catholic family. And other than Father Joel, all are married, or Maddie, the last, the youngest, is to be married in August. And all of his brothers and sisters married either non-Catholics or non-practising Catholics. And they've all been brought to the faith. And I know, especially for Josh's sisters, this was um, a really difficult thing for them because they did want to marry practising Catholics because it seemed like that road would be easier. It's not necessarily. Married life has its own challenges anyway. And I know that my husband, often uh, people who have converted have a relatively good intellectual knowledge of their faith and the church because they asked a lot of questions and they really searched. So I know that I was constantly saying to Josh, my husband, why are you doing that? And why do you believe that? And why can't women be priests? And it really challenged him to answer questions that he didn't necessarily know the answers to in depth. Um, because I think when you've been brought up in the Catholic faith, there are some things that you just believe via osmosis, um, but don't necessarily know really the depth of the answers. So uh, it, it was good for him too. And it was really great for me because he's so filled with faith and he is so devout and that's a really beautiful thing so if there are people in the room who do want to get married but i say go for it no but um <laughs> but are worried that there will be a big conflict um if you have faith anything can be overcome so don't be scared of that thanks natasha um Alyssa, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about your work in the music industry. You described it quite beautifully as your second vocation, with marriage being the first. Um, you work in a very uh, secular space. Um, could you tell us how you're kind of bridging the divide between being a devout Catholic and living in a very secular and sometimes hostile work environment? Sure. Um, so it wasn't really until recently that I always kept music as my job and faith as my faith. I kept the two things very, very separate, kind of like living a double life. Um, I, I got invited to sing at AC at the Australian Catholic Youth Festival in 2017. Um, and I remember being interviewed and I got asked this exact same question and I remember absolutely freezing and realising there is something very wrong in my life if I'm keeping these two things very separate. Um, so since then, um, I guess I've just changed my whole perspective. I guess challenges in my line of work are, you know, you're always surrounded by substance abuse and it's very difficult to, you know, steer away from that. Sometimes when you're on stage, you're not always wearing the most modest of clothes. Sometimes you're singing songs and 
I don't even know what I'm singing about half the time. It's just that's the song that, that people want to hear, so I'm just singing it. And it's not even until I look at the lyrics and think, oh my gosh, that's what I'm singing about. Um, I've had some priest friends come to my gigs and they've walked in the room and I'm singing and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what am I singing about? So, um, yeah, I know, big eye-opener. Um, and then I always used to think I was doing something wrong, but then I have this talent and I've been blessed in my job and all, all these things were going through my head. And then I thought, I need to change my perspective on this. So rather than going into my gig thinking I'm doing something wrong, I've recently, after talking to a few different people and getting lots of different advice, I get to go into these places and be God's presence to a lot of people who may not have heard about God before. Um, since being a little bit more bold about my faith recently, it's funny, I play with different musicians and it, it always opens up a conversation. Oh, you, you, went, you sang at that big Catholic event in Panama and how was that? I think it's really cool how you know you've you've just released a song with Georgia. All all these things, and it's 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 really opened up um, that at my gigs as well. Um, I also having Georgia Byrne. She's over there. Give us a wave, Georgia. She's another musician in the secular world, <laughs> um, and she's been a wonderful support to me. Um, we were both. We'd always go to different music muso gatherings, and we'd always connect really well and talk with each other and and sympathise with all, all of these challenges. But having each other as like a safety blanket has been good. Um, and a lot of people, we recently sang in Panama at World Youth Day, which was absolutely incredible. And so many people have come up to us afterwards, you know, saying we've inspired them in the secular industry. Um, yeah, I guess, I think I've rambled a lot, but no, that's hopefully that made some sense. I have a follow-up question. Um, in that moment where you decided, oh, okay, I've got to take my faith more seriously, did you vamp up your prayer life? Did, how did your life kind of change to, to support that new decision? Sure. So I'm very lucky in my job. I do a lot of my work on the weekends. So I don't just blaze around on Monday to Friday. I'm still working very hard, but it does free up my mornings. So um, I'm very blessed to be able to go to Mass every day. Um, and also in terms of gigs and bringing God's presence into those presence into those places, it's, you know, praying before the gig, Lord, you know, how can I bring you to, to this place tonight? And, and that's definitely helped, yeah, a lot. Thank you. I've got a question for, for any of you. So, you know, you can take the mic off each other when you see fit. Um, and it's about the, the way that the different vocations um, inspire each other. So, you know, being married is different to being single. Being single is different to being a religious sister. I'd like to ask you a question about was there a person from a different vocation from you that has inspired you to live a better version of where you're at? <laughs> So in, in our work as teachers, we have the privilege really of working side by side with women who are mo most of the people that we work with are women, um, depending, and also most of them are married. And, and so you realize how, how similar in the vocations are. We're all women of the church, right? We're all following the same, the same path of following Christ, uh, loving Christ, being Christ's presence. I loved your word presence in the world. I think that's, I think after we fall in love with Christ and we remain in love with Christ, the next thing we have to do is be his presence in the world in whatever vocation God calls that you to. It can be in a very visible way where you really put your career, right, 
you put your career out there. As soon as you as soon as you step out and say, I'm a Christian and you start to make choices along that way, I mean that's that's your career, you know? Um, and, and it's really impressive. It's really beautiful to, to see. And and for us, um, we we have our own challenges um, in being very public. Uh, persons who are not necessarily inclined to be public all the time, but we can't really pass through um, a shopping mall, an airport, any place like that without being stopped for better or for worse. It just depends on the day, and um, and so I think I think we all have our ways of trying to witness in the public square to our families first, but then also um, just learning and growing from each other. And also I think as you grow through life and you your your love for Christ strengthens. Uh, whether you're married or whether you're single or whether you're a consecrated person, um, the, the, the stages are very similar. The challenges are very similar. And I think the, the more that conversation can take place, the more fruitful it will be. Um, a couple of times a year, the sisters, we uh, present um, retreats with Sisterhood, which is a movement here, um, is growing in Melbourne. It's in Sydney and Canberra. And, and we love working with these women because because they have the, the on-the-ground uh, experience of raising families and holding down careers and, and trying to keep it all together. And we work as uh, religious women in a different sort of sphere, but there's so much complementary between it. And it's the same Lord we're trying to follow uh, and trying to imitate and trying to witness to in the public square. So. Is that, can I? Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually, when thinking about this question, I've got so many examples of people from different vocations to myself and the same vocation as me um, who I find really inspirational because I think as Catholics today, if you are living out your vocation fully and freely at all, it's quite courageous. Um, it, as Alyssa was saying, in, in her place of work, sometimes she's confronted with things that are in conflict to her faith. And I know working in real estate, that happens all the time. Um, my husband, now he's in sales, but he was working in a trade and he was constantly surrounded by things that were in great conflict with his faith and to stand up and to be the light that the world needs because it desperately needs it i find that extremely courageous and i've got single friends who really want to get married um, and are really sticking to their morals and living out their life the way that they know God would like to and I find that incredibly inspirational because it can be really really difficult so everyone who is doing that everyone here who is doing that I say you know that's amazing and keep doing that yeah. that's awesome I actually had a moment quite recently so I was in Panama for World Youth Day um, I was singing with with Georgia and also with Father Rob Galea and we we sang at this big concert for vocations to about 40,000 people um, alongside like the who's who of Catholic music like in, in Central America, I suppose. Anyway, before we went on stage was a group of nuns called um, siervas, which means servants in Spanish. They were from Peru and they were like a band of rock, like a rock band nuns. Like they were playing guitars and, and drums and it was incredible, I loved it. They came off stage and we came off stage and. I really wanted to talk to them and just say to them how much of an inspiration they were to so many young people, people who may have a passion for music who think they may have to give that up if they're going to enter into religious life. I just thought they were such an inspiration. They couldn't speak English, so I was speaking to them via one, via a translator. And we both just started crying. And then and, and they said to me, 
you know, our primary vocation is religious life and only then we are musicians. And that's really inspired me in, in knowing that my primary vocation is my marriage and then music comes second. Thank you. Um, I know that was a doozy, so you, you answered that one really well. Um, this is the last question for the night. Um, it's on behalf of the men folk who came here tonight. Uh, so, you know, femininity is the complementary opposite of masculinity. So, again, it's open to the three of you. Is there a, a man who's particularly stood out in your life? And do you have any message for the men here tonight? Um, I, I wish my husband was here because I'm saying nice things about him and he doesn't do that. So it's being video recorded. Oh, is it? Okay, good. Um, no, I'd have to say, in answering this question, in all sincerity, um, my husband makes me far more feminine. He softens me. He, in his masculinity, he um, he really allows me to be the female that I am. Um, in my role as a wife and as a mother and I greatly appreciate that. So, yes, for, my, for me it would be my husband. Oh, and for the men folk in the room tonight, um, I would say please continue to be chivalrous, open doors for women, be gentlemen, um, know just how important you are and in my... Before I was uh, working as a real estate agent. I was project manager for a community health centre and I worked on prevention of domestic, uh, prevention of family violence projects and all sorts of other projects and um, worked with some pretty damaged people. And I saw firsthand the devastation <coughs> that uh, is caused when family units break up. And it's, if, you know, there might be some fathers in the room, there might be people who are going to be fathers in the room. You're really, really important to your family. You're really, dads are really important and husbands are really important. So please know that, because sometimes I think that a little bit of male bashing goes on at the moment and just know how admired and respected and needed you are. Yes. I guess there hasn't been one man in particular, a group of men. I mean, my dad's taught me qualities that, that I try and um, live out. My husband, there have been so many inspiring priests as well who have really helped me on my faith journey. Um, so, yeah, I guess there have been many men who have inspired me. And my message is kind of similar to Tasha's in that just um, keep loving the women in your lives and, and I guess keep striving for holiness, I think. I really couldn't say it any better. That's exactly right. Just be who you are. We need your strength. We need your kindness. We need your courage. Um, and don't be um, don't be intimidated by the voices that uh, that yeah that would put man in a place that they don't belong. Um, the, the, the dignity of man um, and the dignity of woman is both um, both are at risk right now. And so be who you are in Christ. Uh, we need you. And I would say my father, absolutely, and my brother, and friends along the way, too, who just quiet, strong, courageous, um, steady, steady. So grateful for that. Thank you very much. I think that wraps up this part of the evening, so I'll pass it on to you, Alice.